of all ages, welcome to episode 14 of Canadian Sober, eh? I'm your host and resident alcoholic, Dougie Fresh. Go grab a snack, juice, pop, or as I like to call it, the champagne of waters, Perrier. We'll get the show on the road shortly. Sit back, hang tight. was aloe black and do it my way and we all know how what happened when i did it my way <laughs> uh, to start off this evening's podcast just to be, just a reminder that all the songs on this year's podcast you can find on spotify like i did all right just a reminder that i do not speak for alcoholics anonymous and neither do any of my guests we are simply sharing our experience strength and hope in the hope that it reaches the sick and suffering alcoholic now on with the show. Trust is an interesting word. Really, it's an interesting concept. And what I mean by this is that people will blindly follow someone's lead because they simply say, trust me. Seems simple enough. Hey, the dictionary dictionary clearly states the meaning of trust is a firm belief in the character, strength, or truth of someone or something. But could we end up being the blind who follows the blind? It's an interesting dilemma if you think about it, because the ability to trust and be trusted requires a whole lot of faith in the unknown. I ponder these thoughts tonight after hearing an insightful quote, trust the process. To dive a little deeper into this conversation, we're going to talk to a good friend of mine, Christina, who, in fact, today is celebrating five years of continuous sobriety. Woohoo! Good job, Christina. How are you doing tonight? Hi, Doug. Thanks for the intro. I'm actually feeling really good. That's I'm feeling really good. So thanks for having me. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for being here. Can you uh, tell the listening audience tonight a little bit about yourself, your experience, strength, and hope? 
well, um, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I have to remind myself that I'm not unique. I'm doing this with you, Doug, because uh, I suffer from the same disease as many more, many others. Um, you know, I wouldn't have thought in a million years that I would have been here, um, but that was just it. I didn't think. Um, you know, I typically don't pre-plan my shares. And by the way, I'm Christina and I'm an alcoholic. Sorry about forgetting to introduce myself. Um, that's compliment because I've really brought myself down to nada. Um, you know, it's sort of the way that I always ran though. You know, I, I was from very early on, I was, I was a person who just had to survive and, you know, it didn't matter, um, how I did it, but uh, I just knew I had to do it. And that, of course, carried with me through, you know, early teens, adolescence, and then on to adulthood. And I don't know if I've ever even gone through adulthood, to be completely honest. Um, but uh, never thought that I'd be here, you know, and uh, I'm so grateful that I am. So what it was like, um, you know, I can honestly say after doing a thorough step four um, and then going through the steps, that uh, I was an addict, I was an alcoholic, and I was acting alcoholically even before, way before I took my first drink. Um, you know, when I was a kid growing up, I had like a little taste of, uh, you know, whatever the, the alcohol was. It was sort of like a bubbly type, not very a, um, but it was usually in a glass full of ginger ale, and, and I really wasn't fond of it. You know, it's funny how I ended up being a, a raging alcoholic, um, you know, but that's the whole thing. It's not the taste, it's the effect, right? So, you know, I mean, I'm kind of a jumper when I tell my story because I don't really feel that I have a lot of things that are unique or of value. But, you know, I'll tell you this, um, being that survivor and coming through various situations in my life, you know, alcohol wasn't my first choice to cope. It really wasn't, although other substances were. Um, you know, I've come to learn that essentially I snorted my alcohol is a kind way of saying it, um, but really that, that's kind of weird. Um, you know, at the end, it was alcohol and, and it, was, it was prescription drugs, but they just weren't mine um, necessarily. Um, they were mine, I just didn't have prescription for them and uh, you know because I had learned to survive and because truly when I first heard it cunning baffling and powerful I thought for sure that was my tagline um, and I thought I was all of those things but I was manipulative and you know I, I was a liar and a cheat and a thief and uh, I was still thinking I was good at it reality was that um, I was fooling myself and uh, that's how, you know, I allowed myself to continue to drink and drug the way I did, even through, you know, my grown-up, I guess, life. Um, and I'm still a grown-up, but, uh, you know, I, um, I didn't really know any better. You know, I didn't really know any better, and I probably should have, but I didn't. Um, you know, I... I was a disgusting, when I look back at times, I was a disgusting excuse for a human being. Um, you couldn't count on me. 
you know, I would lie and then I would blame you that I didn't show up. Um, and not you, Doug, um, just in general. You know, I, uh, I was very selfish and self-centered. And, you know, I thought that I was the cat's meow, right? That uh, everybody would listen to me. And that was the facade I had put on. And, and I almost did it so well that I believed it myself. And uh, when, um, I guess, everything came crumbling down, you know, I have to say, um, two children, and uh, I was extremely intoxicated. Um, you know, they were in the vehicle, and for the grace of God, and I say the grace of God, nobody was physically injured in that collision. Um, and, you know, it's funny, that collision happened probably... I don't know, 700 meters from my home. Um, and uh, I was in an alcoholic drug-induced blackout. But um, there was something that happened that day. And, you know, I didn't have an issue with God. In fact, I probably should have, I guess. But I didn't. Um you know, on that day, that last drink day, which was December 7th, uh, 16th, sorry, um, the day before today, you know, I uh, I went and I, I picked those kids up at school where they were safe, and I put them in my vehicle, and unknowingly, I must have tightened their car seats so, so tight that, uh, that they didn't get jarred in the accident, but that's because something stopped me, and that was the car that I collided head-on with, and... Uh, car apparently was white the vehicle was white and you know I think back now and I wonder you know was that almost like a white angel <laughs> stopping me because um, I could have got so much worse you know but again for the grace of God it didn't and uh, my children didn't get harmed and I didn't harm anybody else physically but the damage that I did was um, was just difficult um, to even put into words, you know, but that's where it all happened. I mean, you know, there's so much I could talk about. And I mean, I even laugh about it sometimes with the other people in the program. You know, we laugh not because we're like, ha-ha, we're so smooth, we got away from that. But it's like, ha-ha, oh my gosh, I can't believe we got away from that and we're alive. And that's what it is, right? Every day I'm on earth, every day I'm here, every day of sobriety, I'm grateful for, uh, for that opportunity to have a second chance at life. Not a lot of people get it, and I know that. Um, so where did I go from the collision? Well, my kids gratefully got picked up by their father. Um, of course, there was authorities involved there. But uh, I, I was taken away, and, and my kids watched me as I got cuffed not once but twice. And, uh, you know, I apparently fought off the officers who were just trying to do their job and serve and protect. Um, which they did with my children, but uh, I came to in jail. And uh, at that moment, I had no idea where I was, and I thought I could talk my way out of wherever I was. And so I started banging on that door, and when the guard came to the door, I thought to myself, well, how the heck am I going to get out of this now? And um, there really wasn't a way to do it. You know, I had dug so far down, and they talk in, they talk in, um, various fellowships about um, 
you know, your your bottom is when you stop digging. I had dug so far down that there was no way out. And I had burned bridges, and I mean, I really didn't have anybody to call. Um, but uh, ironically enough, today being December 17th is also the day that my biological father had passed away. I guess it would have been 34 and a half years prior um, than uh, my clean date. And uh, I could call his sister, and that's what I did. I called my aunt, and I called my uncle, and they came and got me. And I want to say that uh, I was instantly finished, and I was instantly done. Um, and I was, with drugs and alcohol. But uh, I didn't know where to go from there. And so um, the only thing I did know is that when I was speaking with my doctor prior he had talked about going to this place for treatment, and uh, I had every excuse in the world of how I couldn't go. I had to watch my kids, who's going to watch my kids, and how I'm going to afford it. And, you know, there was every excuse in the world until, um, you know, my aunt looked at me and she said, what are you going to do now? And I went, I know what I'm supposed to do. And that was that was the honest answer. You know, I uh, I fought like heck to get into that treatment center, and I called them so often. And uh, I think they saw my phone number show up on the screen, and they they really didn't want to answer my call. Um, but I'm so grateful they did. And uh, the reason why I'm grateful is because I get to sit here today and share my, share my experience, strength, and hope. But I know you asked me for a quote, and that's how that journey began. See, I was dry. I was just dry a month um, before I went into treatment. But uh, when I walked into that treatment Facility and went to go up to the ward that they had assigned. Um, there was a sign above the door, and uh, and you know until I got asked for something, I never really thought about it. I mean, I said it, said it, but I've never really given it any thought. And that sign above that door, as I walked up the stairs to my ward, where my journey was going to begin, and um, it was trust the process, and uh, pretty amazing because um, I trusted their process, and I fought it a little bit in the beginning, but then when I realized that there was nowhere else for me to go and really nothing else for me to do, I just had to trust the process and uh, put the cotton in my mouth and take it out of my ears and put it in my mouth and uh, and start learning how to listen. And that's what I did. I learned how to listen, and when I listened, I learned. And thank God I remain teachable to this day. So I don't know um, if that gave you anything, but uh, certainly, you know, I know for me, one of the best things that I can do is carry that message. And um, I am responsible. So thanks, Doug, for the opportunity. And uh, with that, I'm going to zip it. <laughs> <laughs> That was uh that was a really good share, Christina. I I really I really enjoyed that. Um, your insight um and your storytelling of of the night you know in the car and the and the and you know as soon as you mentioned that it was a white car, I kind of like you know um I kind my mind was kind of going there before you even said it, you know. So um so I really uh, I really appreciate that and um. 
You know, I want to thank you for being on Canadian Sober A uh, Sobriety Podcast uh, tonight. I know, uh, I know you're a busy lady, and um, you know, I, I, uh, <laughs> I uh, you have a big, big day, big day tomorrow night. Um, you know, and uh, I'm going to be there uh, hopefully in in the in the Zoom world. Um, you know, so uh, I'm looking forward to that and and seeing you get your medallion. Um, you know, I, I'm super proud of you. Um, and I'm pretty sure your, your family and your kids are super proud of you too. So, uh, you know, I want to thank you again for, uh, for taking the time this evening to, uh, to share that story with the listening audience. Um, I know somebody, uh, listening to this is going to walk away with a little bit of hope after your talk tonight. Thank you, Doug. Awesome. You enjoy your evening and, uh, and I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Have a great night. All right. Stay safe. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Wow, that was that was really good. That was a good share. Um, thanks, Christina, again uh, for being on the show. All right, now back to the story. You might know by now, but anytime I can link a story to my basketball passion, I will. So <laughs> here it goes. At one time, trust the process was a slogan used by the fans of the NBA's Philadelphia 76ers. Coined during a rough patch for the team, it basically meant things look bad now, but we have a plan in place to make it better. And I guess that's where my two worlds collide. Being in recovery has taught me trust is not a word to use lightly or as slang. It has a deeper meaning that I never really understood until now. I threw it around like candy hoping that others in my life would be distracted by its sugary coating. I was wrong. And still today, saying the word trust makes me hesitate, as I know how often I used it uh, insincerely in the past. In the past five and a half years, I've learned that when you trust the process at the right time, you'll get where you intend to go without rushing or pressuring yourself. But how do we trust the process? You focus on the value you're adding to any situation in life. You only worry about the things that you can control. You have faith in the unknown. You use what you learn during each step of the process. You practice gratitude. You visualize success. You ignore the naysayers, and there are a lot of naysayers. And you embrace failure, because that's just a part of life. Look, if you're able to trust the process at a time like this, it means you can look past the mess. Achieving your goals isn't meant to be easy. But when you learn how to trust the process, you're able to be grateful for the progress that you have made you will feel a huge sense of reward and you'll no longer be the blind leading the blind. Once again, I'd like to thank Christina for joining us today on Canadian Sober A. Um, and congratulations, Christina, on five years. I'm so happy we were able to get you on the show for your five-year birthday. That's a great moment for Canadian Sober A. <laughs> Maybe we should just do birthdays on the show. <laughs> That was great. Um, uh, just like to say that Perrier, the official drink of um, alcoholics, 
even though I'm I'm making that up. It's not the official drink of alcoholics, but I wish it was because this is a tasty beverage. Thank you, Perrier. I look forward to your emails or phone calls for uh, sponsorship. <laughs> Anyways, um, I hope everybody has a fantastic e- evening. And I want to uh, say thank you to the people that were understanding for the past two weeks as I took a little bit of a hiatus and a little bit of family time um, to just be there, be there in the present moment, um, you know, with my family. So, uh, uh, thanks again. And I'm so happy to be back and recording these episodes for you. Um, please join me next week. Um, as I'll have a special Christmas edition, uh, of Canadian sober a, and we'll see if I can get my wife to come on the show. Shh. She doesn't know that yet. (laughs) All right, everybody. Uh, Put a smile on your face. Better yet, put a smile on somebody else's face. And be kind and wear a mask. Thanks, everybody. Have a great, great weekend. Alla Black, I would love to hear your lovely voice again. Thanks, everybody. I've been sad, I've been lost, I've been down and out of I've been suffering at a job in a world that tries to own me. But when I wake up every morning, there's an image of a better place. Yeah. Cause the harder that we grind, then the sweeter is the glory. People say I'm foolish. People say I'm blinded by faith. But if I run out of air, if I crash, I don't care. I don't care, I'm gonna do